Years ago, I had the opportunity to travel to Russia as part of a college choir tour, and it was an amazing trip. We sang in beautiful cathedrals, um, these glorious churches that had only recently returned to public worship since the fall of the Soviet Union about a decade earlier. Uh, my friends and I ate good food. We, got, we actually got food poisoning at one point, um, and some of, some of us were even accosted by police in Red Square. So all in all, a, a normal college trip abroad. <laughs> after, after that trip, I returned to my family farm and home in East Bend, North Carolina, and um, to work on the farm until the classes began for the next semester. One day, I went to the local general store in my little rural farming community. And this was a classic place, a dusty hardwood floor, the smell of cigarettes wafting in the air, tobacco juice on the, on the floorboards. I think there was even a couple jars of pickled eggs and maybe pickled pig's feet up on the counter, that sort of place, you know? And we called this shop Gilmore's. It was named after Ted Gilmore, the owner and the operator. And so I walked up to the counter and I, I put my Coca-Cola in front of the old-timey cash register and Ted, Ted looked down with a smile and said, Scott, I heard you have just been to Russia. And I said, yes, I have. And then he looked at me and he said, I hear it's different over there. And I said, yeah, it's different, it's different. And then from the back of the room in a dark corner, a man who was sitting back there playing cards and smoking cigarettes said, I hear it's real different. There was something sinister in that second comment that was not, that was not present in the first one. Perhaps that man in the back in the corner was remembering the stress of, of a cold war that I never really knew. Um, or perhaps he was caught up in some conflict of good versus evil, capitalism versus communism, uh, a Rocky IV kind of story. You remember Rocky IV, the scrappy American boxer from Philadelphia, Rocky, traveling over to the Soviet Union to take on the killer Ivan Drago. Uh, either way, whatever, whatever this man was thinking, it was clear to me that the differences that he was talking about between us and them went way beyond food or language. No, it's not just that they eat a lot of beets in Russia. It's not just that they have a different alphabet. There's something different, something really different. And so my question today is this, was he right? Are there differences between people or groups of people, countries, differences that go beyond diversity? Are there things that actually make us really different from others? I think this question was important to Jesus and to the writers of the gospel. Time and again, we find Jesus breaking through social barriers, eating with tax collectors, talking with sinners, even talking with Pharisees. And in this story 
for John's gospel, um, from John's gospel, Jesus is, is breaking through some of the most basic rules in his society, in his Jewish society. He is, he's talking with a Samaritan. The Samaritans were persona non grata. They were different. They had corrupted the faith and they were not supposed to mix. This particular Samaritan is a woman and that certainly does not help matters either. But in typical Jesus fashion, Jesus busts through the social customs and asks her for a drink. Stunned, the woman answers with a question of her own. She says, how can you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman from Samaria? In short, this woman says to Jesus, we are real different. When the preaching staff here at the church talked about doing a, a sermon series based on children's books, um, Rachel asked me, um, she said, so are you going to do The Little Prince? Rachel knows that The Little Prince is my favorite children's book. In fact, it's one of my favorite books of any genre. After Ava Lee was born, I remember a member of the church came up to me after services and said, is, is there any book that I can, that I can buy, um, you know, little baby Ava? And I said, absolutely, I would love her to have her own copy of The Little Prince. A few months ago, I gave a copy of this book, The Little Prince, to uh, a friend of mine here at FUMC. You know her, Lily Seymour. Lily sings in the choir, member of our youth program. She has told me that she has now read through the book twice and confessed after two readings. She said, I'm not sure what it's about. Well, I, I told her, you know, Lily, I'm, I'm not totally sure what it's about either. And perhaps that's why I was a little bit nervous to attempt a sermon on this book. Um, I'm not always sure what the book is saying. It's a pretty big book. It's about 90 pages. There's no way that I could read this entire book in this sermon to you um, or, in this, or in this service, more than likely. It's a long book. Um, it has some pretty clear themes, though, that emerge in those 90 pages. And um, I think that those themes are pretty important to us. So, this book tells the story of the little prince and his visit to earth. The little prince is not from earth. He encounters all sorts of people and creatures and kind of is trying to make sense of it all, trying to make sense out of people, trying to make sense of the earth. He discovers that grown-ups seem to always be counting things and, and talking about things that they consider to be of great consequence. But sadly, the little prince discovers that grown-ups rarely are able to see the things that really matter in life. And that's a broad overview of the book. If you've not read the book, I really can't encourage you strongly enough to give it a read. And, and don't worry if you're not sure what it's about. I'm also not always sure what the book is about. Um, but there is one little uh, story in this book, a side story, I like to think of it as a parable, and I want to share that parable. I call it the parable of the little prince and the fox. And it goes a little something like this. 
So the little prince meets a fox and says to the fox, I'm lonely. Can we be friends? And the fox says, no, we can't be friends. I'm a fox. You can't be friends with a fox. You're a boy and I'm a fox. We're different. We can't be friends. But then the fox says, but if you tame me, if you, if you tame me, well then we can establish ties with each other. And everything changes when you establish ties with each other. The little prince says, I'm not sure I understand what you mean. And the fox says, well, it's like this. Right now, I am just another fox to you, just like a hundred thousand other foxes. And you, to me, are just a boy, just like a hundred thousand other boys. But if you tame me, if we establish ties, all that will change. To me, you will be unique in all the world, and to you, I shall be unique in all the world. So, that Samaritan woman, feeling that she's really different from Jesus, says, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink of water? Jesus responds almost in the same way that the little prince does, with a bit of a riddle. Jesus says, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is you're talking to, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is you're talking to, I say this is a bit of a riddle because those are the same thing. Jesus is both of those things the perfect gift of God, and the person the woman is talking to. It's as though Jesus is saying to the woman, if you could only see me for who I really am, then you would know that I am the Christ. We would establish ties. Well, both of these stories that of Jesus and the Samaritan woman and the little prince and the fox, they both resolve in, in, in similar ways. The little prince and the fox become friends. They tame each other. They become unique in all the world to each other. The Samaritan woman sits down and talks with Jesus and learns that he indeed is the Christ, the Messiah, and she drinks deeply of the living water he offers. And you know what else is interesting? Those differences, those pesky little differences that, that, that they thought were going to keep them separate, well, they don't actually disappear. The little prince remains a boy and the fox remains a fox. The Samaritan woman remains a Samaritan woman and Jesus remains a Jewish man. Their individual diversity is not changed. But the differences that were keeping them separate dissolve. Today is my last sermon here at FUMC. And this is sad for me. I have loved this church and this church has loved me and my family. This church has ministered to me 
mostly in those myriad ways that go unseen, those ministries that are not so photogenic, but are indeed the lifeblood of this church. I am a product of this church's transformational mission in the world. Now, as I have prepared for this upcoming move and career transition, in a few weeks I'm going to be moving to North Georgia and taking a, um, a pastor role at a church in, in Dawson County. As I've prepared for that change, I have um, been fortunate to receive a lot of helpful advice from people and some interesting comments along the way as well. Um, one comment that I have heard from a number of people, and I really enjoy this one, uh, goes something like this. They say, how are you going to fit in in North Georgia? I like that comment. Another comment is, uh, I think, a little similar, but it's, um, it's, 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 it's got a, a certain kind of uh, humor to it. They say, so, are you going to cut your hair now? <laughs> I enjoy these comments, and, and I have to confess to you, it's not the first time I've heard these kinds of, these kinds of questions and comments. Um, I heard a different version of them eight years ago when I left Calvary United Methodist Church in Annapolis, Maryland, to move to a tiny mountain town in western North Carolina, Waynesville. It seems that sometimes even members of the same denomination are sometimes suspicious of each other because of these perceived differences. Last week, I'm aware that our conference voted to approve for 14 churches to disaffiliate from our conference because these churches have determined that the differences between them and the rest of the church were too real to ignore. Real different. And so sometimes it seems to me that when we look at others, all we can see are our differences, those public loyalties we wear to mask our individual selves. But I know no better way to say it than this. I am going to North Georgia. I am going into full-time ordained ministry so that I can take a peek underneath those masks. Josiah Royce was a religious philosopher and teacher at Harvard at the end of the 19th century. And he says it like this. He asked the same question that is asked of Jesus in the Gospels, who is your neighbor? And so Josiah Royce says, who then is our neighbor? And he answers, you have regarded your neighbor's thought, his feeling, as somehow different than your own. You have said a pain in him is different from the pain in me. You have assumed that he is somehow a little bit less alive than you are. His life is dim. His life is cold. His life is a pale fire beside your burning desire. So dimly and by instinct have you lived with your neighbor, and yet you have not known your neighbor.
you are blind to your neighbor. You have made of him a thing, no self at all. And then Professor Royce says, have done with this illusion and simply try to learn the truth. Pain is pain. Joy is joy everywhere, even as it is in your own self. Have done with this illusion, this blindness, and open your eyes to the truth that pain is pain and joy is joy everywhere, just as it is in you. This is the charge that I carry to North Georgia, and this is the charge that I leave with you. Do not pretend that our differences do not exist, but neither let them carry you over to the dark side. What philosopher William James calls those hideous ancestral intolerances and cruelties and entire reversals of the truth. That's where we land when we think that our differences are that real. Hold fast to the truth. The person who just asked you for a drink of water, who seems for whatever reason to be a little less alive than you are, is in fact the same Christ who met the Samaritan woman at the well that day, is in fact the same Christ who said, whenever you do this for the least of these, you do it for me, is in fact the same Christ who invites us into abundant living, who invites us to drink of the living water. But it is hard to see the truth in other people when we are so trained to see only our differences. The fox told the little prince at the end of their journey together a great secret. The fox said to the little prince, it is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. It is my prayer that our shared ministry, which is by no means coming to an end today, but that that ministry is built on relationships that break through those social scripts and those barriers that would keep us in our relative corners. Our ministry should be one that claims that paradoxical truth that we are beautiful in our diversity, but that none of our differences are so real that they should keep us apart. Our shared ministry is to look at this world as Christ does, through the eyes of the heart, the way that this church has looked at me, this is the source of our transformational power in this world. Amen.